Welcome to the Authentic Church Podcast with Jeff and Fawn Peterson in Orange County, California, where our mission is simply to love God, love people, and live authentic. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening. Uh, if you're new to Authentic, we are a Bible-based, Spirit-empowered, presence-driven church. And so everything that we do is based on the Bible. We preach, we teach from the Bible. I don't come to church to hear a three-point sermon with some ways to make my life better, per se. I come to church to hear the Word of God. Now, the great thing is, when you live your life according to the Word of God, your life does improve. There's blessings in obedience. There's correction in disobedience. My life was way more blessed when I came to Christ than it was without Him. Anybody else feel the same way, right? There's 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 freedom. There's, there's blessings that come through living in accordance with the Word of God. But everything we do, it's based on the Bible. And I want to encourage you, anything that you hear that's said from up front, on the platform, from the pulpit, teaching, I don't want you to take my word for it. Like, I want you to, to challenge it, and I want you to dive into the Word of God yourself. Don't believe what I say until you read what is said. When you read what is said, then the revelation of God comes and hits your mind and hits your spirit, and now that becomes a word to you, not just a word for you, but it becomes a word to you where you begin living that out. And the word of the Lord for us when we began 2023, we felt like the the word that the Lord had had for our church was the word foundations, foundations, and it was around building an unshakable faith. And how many know we started out the year like that? There's a lot of things that have been shaken in 2023. There's a lot of shaking that's going on and will continue to go on throughout the days of history that we're living in. There's a shaking going on. And, um, and throughout the month of November, we're going to be talk, talking about generosity. That's the, that's the value of the month is the value of generosity. And, um, and I, I just want to encourage you as you're getting ready and you got your pumpkin spice lattes and you get your pumpkin spice, you know, our homes are smelling like, you know, candles euphoria. And we got that feeling of fall and we finally had a little bit colder weather. Um, although I think it's going to heat up again this week, but you know, you do all these things to try to like embrace fall. And, and it's such a fun time. How many of you would say fall is one of your favorite seasons? All the hands. So you're the ones that have like the pumpkin candles out at the end of August. I know who you are. You're, you're, you're the ones why Target is putting all their stuff out after 4th of July. It's all fall, right? It's because of you people. And, um, and there's a, there's a sense of excitement that comes with the fall. There, there's a sense of joy that comes through the holidays. And there's a, there's a sense of this generosity. And really the generosity that you partake in releases the joy that you experience. Like, like you, you would attest to the fact that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Like, do you ever get that one gift for somebody, be it their birthday or Christmas or what have you, and you just couldn't wait to give it to them? Like, you were so excited to give it to them. I had a close friend of mine. He, he just turned 39, so he's entering his 40th year. And I got him this really epic Bible. And I was, he's so excited to give it to him. And I got him the Bible markers because I'm one of those Bible nerds. And I got the Bible pens that don't bleed through. I mean, the kind of ink that's perfect. I got the rulers. Like I'm that guy, right? Like I'm throwback to eighth grade, you know? And so, so I, I hooked him up with, and I was so excited to watch him open the gift because I knew that he would be excited to receive what I was giving him. And there's something about it like God wants to give you and I something today. 
And I just want to encourage you, let's position ourselves to receive from him. Amen? Let's pray. And then we're going to dive into the word of God, and I'm going to do my best to unpack the, 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 mis- the mission, the message, the mandate that he gave me today. Let's pray. God, we just thank you for your word. God, I thank you that your word is life. Your word is truth. Your word leads us. Even in the darkest times, God, your word is that light that leads us, that lamp that leads us into the path of righteousness. And so, God, we ask you to breathe and speak on this word. God, I pray that you would speak to hearts and minds. God, none of us came to hear a man speak today. We all came here to hear you speak. So we just ask you to speak, God. I pray, Father, for a hearing of the word that transforms life, that we'd receive, that we'd have fresh revelation, and even some of the concepts that are going to be shared today. God, I pray that your truths would go down deep. And Holy Spirit, we're all asking you, show us how to apply these truths into our lives. Show us what we can apply. Show me what I can apply fresh and new to my life today through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. As you're turning there, um, you know, when it comes to generosity, it's, it's, more, than, it's more than just your, your finances. Sometimes we hear generosity in an atmosphere like this and we think money. But generosity goes way beyond money. It's your time, talents, and resources. A, a number of years ago when Fauna and I bought our, our first house, we bought a condo, and it just kills me to tell you the price of it, but it was literally $232,000 for this beautiful 1,500-square-foot condo in Bellevue, Washington, where we live. Google moved in. Amazon took off. Everything else exploded after we sold it. <laughs> so we didn't get to reap all those benefits. But I remember when we got there, you know, you get all excited as a new homeowner until something breaks. <laughs> and I don't know about you, but I don't have a construction bone in my body. Like, like the worst, like day of my life is when my wife leaves the house and she's like, Hey, would you mind hanging the drapes while we go to the mall? Like, like if I have to hang drapes and get it leveled, like I'm ready to run out of a second story window. Like, I mean, that's just craziness, you know? And I, I, I can barely, uh, nail a hammer into the wall. That's a joke. Anyways, you guys, okay. Hammer a nail into the wall. That's part of the joke. All right. Like, I, like, I, I'm just not that guy. And, and, and so I, I remember we moved in and my garage door wouldn't close all the way. And I'm like, I'm looking at the tracks and I'm trying to figure it out. And I'm like, it looks like it should work. Why is it not working? Like I pay this thing to work and it's not working. It's so frustrating. And for me, like stuff like that, when you're not skilled and equipped in it, like it can just like, you could like explode, right? You're like just a stick of dynamite. Other people, it's like, oh, no problem. You go here and do this and you hammer out this and blah, blah, blah. And they, it's easy to them. So I got this buddy of mine, Calvin. Calvin is like a genius with everything when it comes to being like a man and fixing stuff. Like he's Mr. Fix-It, owns a construction company. So I, I call Calvin. I'm like, hey, bud, I don't have the money and I don't know what I'm doing, but I need to have my garage door fixed. Would you help me? And he's like, no problem. Like he was excited to come and spend a few hours on his Saturday to come and fix my garage. When I thought about fixing my garage, I'm like, Dude, forget it. We'll just put a blanket down or something. Like, I don't even, I just want to, I want to leave. I don't even want to see it. Calvin's like, let's do it. So he comes over to the house and we turn the, the game on, listen to the radio. We're talking, having a good time. He's on a ladder. He's looking stuff and he's having fun doing it. And it's like, 
I, 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 would be cra- I would be going crazy right now if I was trying to do this on my own. But because it's in his wheelhouse, because it's one of the gifts, the talents, abilities that he has, he, God has given him ability to understand that stuff in a way that I couldn't. It was fun to him. I, 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 I can picture a church where it's, it's fun to you to be able to serve, to be able to minister, to be generous with your time, talents, and resources in the areas that God's gifted you. And we get this picture of what the church looks like when it operates like that, and we see it in Acts chapter 4, verse 32. So if you got your Bibles and you're there, we're going to Acts 4, verse 32, and I'm going to be reading out of the ESV. It says this, now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. Everybody say one heart, one soul. That's unity, all right? And no, no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. And there was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of lands or houses, they sold them and they brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as they had need. And I love this picture that they were of one heart, one soul, this picture of unity. And I find it hard to believe, but I have to believe it because it's in the Bible. It says that there was not a needy person among them. Like not a one not one person whose needs weren't met. The Bible says no. Every, every scripture you read in the Bible is either a command or a truth. It's a command that I take and I actually walk out if I choose to live in obedience to it. Or it's a truth that I can hold on to. It's a promise from God. So you read this, this truth of the command. This is a truth that there was not one needy person among them. And I'm like, oh man, I don't know about you, but that's the kind of church I want to be a part of. That's the kind of church that can change the world. The church is generous, one heart, one mind, spirit, soul. Like we're with you, we're together, we're unified. We're not grumbling or complaining. It's not that I'm coming here to consume. No, I'm coming here to contribute. Like what a beautiful church. Like I love this picture that we see in the Bible. And I believe that God is building that here at Authentic Church. And um, a few weeks ago, we had done a message on David and Goliath. And we talked about the Goliaths that we face and if you remember, we took a poll in church. This is the first time that I've done this. We took a poll in the middle of the church, and we just said, hey, what are, what, what's the, the, like, the number one Goliath you face? Is it relationships? Is it addiction? Is it anxiety, depression? Is it finances? Like, like what would be it? If we boiled it down, what do you feel like is that Goliath that you keep? You get a little bit of momentum, and it's like, boom, you get knocked back again. And the number one, uh, by and far, was in the area of finances. And I just think as we head into the holidays, there's a lot of people we want to give. We're generous people. It's the funnest time to go and get those gifts and surprise those friends and those coworkers and stuff like that. And I just thought it would be good to take a look at what the Bible has to say about generosity. And again, I'm not just talking about finances. And for any of you uh, that are new to Authentic, I'm not taking an offering today, okay? So if you've gone to churches before and they do like the whole like dog and pony show and try to sell you on something... Like, that's not happening today, okay? We're not taking an offering. I'm purposely not going to mention anything like that. Um, I, I just want to share and just take a look at what the Bible has to say about finances. And, and the, the burden that I felt as I prayed uh, this week was that there's a lot of people that are living into bondage of a poverty mentality. And really, it's a spirit. 
There, there's a wrong perception of the God of abundance that you serve. Now, I'm not talking like go lay hands on a Cadillac and whatever, all that kind of stuff. But what I am saying is that there's a right perspective that God wants us to have when it comes to money, when it comes to finances. I, I remember hearing this when I was a new Christian. It blew my mind. But as I'm studying and I'm, I'm receiving freedom in my life, I was a single dad, came out of the world. I was a single dad at 20, came to Christ shortly thereafter. And when I'm reading the Bible, things are coming alive to me, man. And I'm reading about the love and the kindness of God. And I remember a, a preacher sharing with me, he said, you know, the number one area that Jesus talks about more than any other area in the Bible is actually money. And he said, the reason why is because the things of the world so entangle you that God becomes your money. And Jesus makes a statement. He says, you can't serve money and serve God at the same time. You're going to love one or you're going to hate the other. You got to pick one. And so he walked me through and taught me some things when it come to, comes to biblical stewardship of our finances. Now, if you're sitting here in the room and you have more money than you know what to do with, we, I would encourage you to go ahead and partake of an offering, okay? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> But I think all of us, if we're honest, we've all gone through seasons where, man, it was a challenge. I was facing a challenge. I remember when Fawn and I were married and we're living in that house with the broken garage that my buddy Calvin helped to meet, helped to fix. I remember we're living there and we went through a really tough time financially. And in the middle of that, I remember changing my son's diapers. River was a baby and uh, we're doing the best we can. You know, we, it was our, it was our fourth child at the time, which you don't even remember most of the day when you have four kids. And so, you know, I, I remember we were putting the last diaper on him and I thought, oh, I need to go get more diapers. Diapers and oh, I can't because I overdrew the checking account to put more gas in the car. Oh my goodness, what are we going to do? I remember I've been there, and through those moments, through those seasons, you learn a thing or two. You learn a thing or two about God and His faithfulness. You learn a thing or two about you and your stewardship. I mean, we were in a situation. I couldn't blame God for my situation. I made some stupid financial decisions, and God, by His grace, helped us get out of those things. You know, God, uh, he's generous. John 3, 16 says this, that God so loved the world that he, he gave. Uh, 1 Corinthians 9, 6, Paul says, God loves a cheerful giver. Generosity is a key value in the culture of heaven. And actually, every single month here at Authentic Church, we highlight one of our 10 core values. So we have uh, uh, 10 core values as a church, and one of the 10 core values is generosity. And that's our value of the month. In generosity, our value is that we live open-handed. We believe everything belongs to God. So we cheerfully give and steward our time, our talents, and our resources. And the word that God gave me as I prayed throughout this week was he's, he was saying, Jeff, I want you to remind the people that I'm the God of abundance. The God of abundance. Some of you in this room, you just need to be reminded that the God you serve is the God of the abundance. He's an abundant God. And if you're sitting here today and you're experiencing lack, in your mind, what would be lack, I would encourage you, lean in and spend some time with the Holy Spirit and ask him, will you show me something I'm not seeing? Because he's an abundant God. And for me personally, I had to learn how to be a better steward back when I was putting my last diaper on my son. I needed to learn how to be a faithful steward of all that God had given to me. I needed to take a look and do a hard look in the mirror and be like, am I really being a good steward? 
You know, Jesus makes this statement. He talks about uh, how we are gonna, we're gonna stand before the Lord one day and he shares this, this uh, parable of, of the, the master and the talents. And, and to the one that was faithful, he said, you've been faithful over some little. I'm gonna be giving you faithful over much now. And he says to them, he says, well done, good and faithful steward. Well done, good and faithful servant. The only time Jesus makes that statement, well done, good and faithful servant, is when he's talking about how you handle your mon- his money. It's his money, it's not mine. So the word of the Lord for, that I felt for this week to remind us is the, is the word abundance. And, and every week, no matter what I might be teaching, no matter what the Lord had highlighted or planned the sermon process out, I always lean in and ask the Lord, would you give me a fresh rhema word in regards to this word that I'm going to share? What's a rhema word? A rhema word is a spoken, it's a God-breathed word. It's, not, it's where it goes from the logos, where you read the written word. And then it becomes a rhema where it's a spoken word for us. And I really felt like the rhema word for us was the word abundant. So if God is truly abundant, if he's truly limitless in his resources, then how should we approach generosity? The reason that God gave, the reason he invites us to participate in generosity is because he wants us to be blessed. So when God says to return the tithe, when he says to give an offerings, when he says, I want you to give alms to the poor, the reason is, is because he knows when you do that, you're going to experience a slice of heaven and be a conduit of resources and blessing to meet somebody else's need. So God, he loves to give. He loves the cheerful giver. And when we give, when we live generously, when we live open-handed, we invite the culture of heaven into our life. I mentioned uh, the other week the, the Jewish people, there was a study done, and you take a look at the Jewish people, they only count for 2% of the population. Small, small percentage in a tiny nation. Eight million people live over in Israel. But of the, of the Jewish people, they account for a quarter, 25% of the wealth in the world. Like that math does not make sense. 2% holding a quarter, 25% of the wealth in the world, how on earth did it did it? Did they do that? By and large, there's no other people group on the face of the planet that has ever lived that has walked with God and lived according to his word like the Jewish people have. And no other group has really held tithing and the standard of offerings and alms for the poor, the way that it's outlined in the Bible, to the degree that the Jewish people have. So you can see the blessings that have been passed down from generation to generation to generation. And there's this compound interest. And the Lord set them up to be a blessing, to be a sign to the rest of the nation saying, hey, this is how I want you to do family. Like, this is how I want you to, to love your wives. And I want, this is the way I want you to honor the women in your community. This is the way I want you to raise your children, men. This is the way I want you to handle your finances. This is the diligentness that, the diligence that I want you to use in stewarding the finances that I place in your hand. Favor follows obedience. And I just want to remind us, money is a tool. Money inherently is not bad and it's not good. You can do bad with money. You can do good with money. You can make good choices with money. You can make bad. It's, it's simply a tool for us to steward. Proverbs 13 verse 4 says this. The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the di- diligent is richly supplied. Now, sometimes when you read the Bible, you can just skim over something like that, especially if you read like Proverbs of the day. 
Um, my, my boys on Saturday morning, my, my son August, he's usually the first riser. And so I'm downstairs and I'm sitting in my chair and having my cup of coffee and I'm reading the word and Augie comes down and we get to talking. And I, I thought he was going to reach for the iPad first. I thought for sure he's, cause it's Saturday morning, it's game, he gets game time and cartoons on Saturdays. Like it's awesome, right? And so I thought for sure. And he picks up a Bible. And I'm like, all right, good, okay. And he sits down, and I said, what are you reading? He said, well, I'm going to read Proverbs chapter 4, because it was on Sunday or Saturday. So I'm going to read Proverbs 4, and I'm going to read Psalms 4. And I'm like, let's read it together. So we read it, we did line by line, we read it, and we talked about it. And sometimes when you read, if you do that proverb a day, you, you can just skim over something, and you can miss the jewel that God has for you. And so as we're reading, we're talking about some of these things. And in this scripture right here, here he says, the soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing. What's that? That's the lazy person that's a big mouth talker. That's the person that's always dreaming but never doing. That's the person that is always like, the only way I'm going to make it is if I win the lottery or a big hand at the casino. Like that's the sluggard that's talking about there. But the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. What's that? That's get your butt out of bed and you got to go work. If you don't have work, you get your butt out of bed early in the morning and you go look for work. You go, like, yeah, you can't live. I, I, I have a, a frustration, a holy frustration, I believe, when it comes to meeting men that are in their 30s that won't get their butts out of bed to go to work. I call them boys who shave. They're boys who shave. They just never grow up. Ladies, you don't ever want, want to marry a boy who shaves. You want to marry a man who's going to get his butt out of bed and actually go to work. Amen. I thought I'd get more ladies saying amen on that one. <laughs> Proverbs 10 verse 4 says this, A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Does the Bible really say that? Like some people, they forget this. They're like, the hand of the diligent? So Lord, like you want to bless me? Like people's minds are blown like that. Like, oh, that sounds like the prosperity gospel. No, it's actually just the word of God. Like read the word of God. The slack hand Causes poverty. What's a slack hand? Somebody that's lazy. Somebody does the job halfway. You ever have the halfway guys, right? They do a job and it's like they walk away before it's done and then you got to come behind them and finish all the work that they didn't do. Like those are the worst people to work with, right? But then there's the diligent. Who are the diligent? The diligent are the ones that work hard and man, they work until the job is done. Like I, I used to own a company. I've run businesses. I remember one time I had a hundred employees answering to me, which is a hundred headaches, man. And so I had a hundred people and you know what? The ones that I gave my time to, the one I gave raises to at the end of the year, they were the ones where they took a headache away. <laughs> I had a theory that every employee was either going to be a, 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 a vitamin they were gonna, or they were going to be a painkiller. And if you weren't a vitamin or a painkiller, there's the door. Like, you know, like, you're like, I'm hiring, I'm paying money so that you can either be a vitamin and bring boost and energy into this place, or you're going to, you're going to take away some area of pain, a pain point in my life. So you're either a vitamin or a painkiller, right? And if you weren't one of those, then you usually didn't get a bonus at the end of the year. Why? Because the Lord, the Bible says the diligent, the diligent. And as an employer, it makes sense to reward the diligent. If you reward the guy that's lazy, all you're going to do is foster laziness. All right, I'll come down from my Soapbox on that one. Matthew 5.14, Jesus says this. He says, you are the light of the world. Say, I'm the light. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before, before others so that they may see 
your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. That Jesus is saying, I want you to do some things in a way that people will look at you and go, that's a man of God. That's a woman of God. He didn't say, I want, I want them to hear what you say and know that you're a child of God. No, no, no. I want them to see your good works. I want, to see, I want them to look at you and see what you do. Let me ask you this. The people in your life, when they look at you and see how you steward and manage your finances and manage your family and work on your job, does that bring a moment for them where they, might, they would, in their own words, praise God? They, they would give an accolade for that. Or if they found out you're a Christian, they're like, Psh, oh, man. I remember working for a guy one time, multi-multi-millionaire, uh, and he hired me to oversee a bunch of stuff with the professional sports teams. It was a really fun gig, lots of free tickets to every sports event that I ever wanted to. And, um, and I'm working with all the professional sports teams, and, and then uh, we needed a receptionist. And he had met Fawn at a company mixer, and he said, hey, would Fawn ever want to work here? And I said, well, probably, but I don't think you can afford her, you know? And he says, I, 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 will, I will make an offer to her. He goes, have her come in for an interview. So we were newly married, and so she came in, and, and of course, she nailed it. Everybody loves Fawn. You know, they, toler they tolerate me, but they love her, you know? I know, I know. They're like, who are you? Oh, you're Fawn's husband. Like, that's how I'm known, you know? <laughs> and then as the company grew, he came up to us. He says, you guys are Christians, right? And I said, yeah. He goes, hey, can you hire like more Christians like you, like, man, I've worked with Christians in the past and they, they come in late, they're horrible on the job, they're always talking about their faith, but they're not actually doing what I'm paying them to do. But do you have more Christians like you at your job? And I said, yes, we do. And we literally started filling the company with a bunch of people from our church that were awesome employees, man. And they were the best performing employees. And what did that do to him? You know what it did to him? It warmed him up to the idea that, whoa, there's something different about these people that are real Christians, God's looking for real Christians to stand up in the marketplace, in business, on the job, where you work, where you do business. He's looking for real Christians to stand up and actually live it, that, that people would look at you and they glorify father, your Father in heaven because of the good works that they see in your life. And let me just say this. Material possessions are not a sign of God's blessings unless they are. Material possessions are are not a sign of God's blessing unless they are. There are actual times throughout the Bible you'll read where material possessions were actually a sign of God blessing someone's life. Don't believe me? Go read about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, David, Solomon. There were many times in their lives where God's blessing on their life literally looked like material possessions. God was the direct cause of the blessings that they received. Now, it's not our job to be the prosperity police trying to figure out who has too much stuff or you got to be careful. Like I had somebody that had shared a podcast with me from this, this guy that, you know, he's, he's a pastor, he's well-meaning, but his, his um, I would say his doctrine is a little skewed because of his experiences. And uh, so he had experience that was negative with a guy that was, uh, that was off in prosperity content and preaching and blah, blah, blah. It was, it was a greedy guy, slimy guy. And so because of that, he looked at anybody that in his mind was prosperous, like there's something wrong with them. And so he's on, on this podcast and he's slamming this preacher who had driven, who drove an Aston Martin. And what he didn't know is that the Aston Martin was given to the preacher by some multimillionaire in his church. 
And so you can look at somebody and be like, oh, they're so blessed, and oh, what are they doing? It's like they have no idea. Like, I, I have a lot of pastor friends of mine who pastor some really large churches, and people literally have given them nice things like that, and they're like, no, I can't. I'm just, I'll, I'll trade it in and just go get a, a pickup truck. That would attract too much attention. And I'm fine with that. It's like, hey, you do you. I'm not gonna be the prosperity police on somebody's life. Our goal, the, the thing is, you don't, you don't, you don't get to judge somebody and, and judge the harvest in another person's life when you don't know the seeds that they've sown. Does that make sense? So you, you can't judge what you see in their life because you don't know what they sowed. You, you don't know what they sacrificed. You don't, you don't know what they did. Like I was, I was so blessed. My wife and I, when we moved here to plant the church, um, we're, 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 we're rolling up and, and business is going good and I'm driving my dream car. And at that time, my dream car was an Audi A6 and it was macked out. It was so awesome. And we owned it free and clear. And before we move here, my wife says, I think you're supposed to sell your Audi. And I'm like, honey, that's the devil. Okay, that is, we own it. Why would I sell, I own it. Because I'm just saying, I think, you're, I think you're supposed to sell it. I think that Lord wants us to use that money to plant the church. I'm like, we're already using all of our money to plant the church. <laughs> she says, no, I, I think you're supposed to sell it. And I'm like, no, I don't think so. She said, well, you just go and pray about it. Man, that's the worst assignment you can ever give, right? I'll tell you what, just go pray about it. Just go pray about that relationship and see if it's God. You know the Holy Spirit is going to be like yes or it's going to be no, right? So I go and pray about uh, this car, and uh, which we own, have no payment on, that I love, and it's great, and we need two cars, you know? And so anyways, sure enough, sell it. So I'm like, all right, I'm not going to fight it anymore. So I sold it. One guy comes and looks at it. He's like, boom, he offers me lower than I wanted. And I felt like the Lord said, give it to him for that price. And so I gave it to him. And so I'm like, okay, great. So now we're a one-car family, winning. Like, you know, I've worked really hard to not have one car. Like, I really wanted to have two cars. And so we move into town. Well, COVID came, shut down the world. You didn't really need two cars, you know. <laughs> you get everywhere on a bike. There's nobody on the road, you know. <laughs> And so, and then I, I wrote down, man, I was, I was praying on my prayer list. Every, every year I do a, a prayer list of different things. And I was just praying for a good, safe, white four-door sedan. And in my mind, it was going to be like a Nissan Altima or something like that. And so I'm praying about it. And, uh, and so I'm just a white, safe vehicle. I like the color white because I know that someday my kids are going to drive the car and white's easier to see than black. And so I figured a good white car and a good car that they could learn on. So I'm praying about this. And it's just kind of there. I'm, it's not like, it's not the only thing that I'm praying about. It's not every day on my prayer list. It's just one of those things. Time goes on, and I get a call from a buddy of mine um, uh, who's, he's a multimillionaire, and he says, uh, he goes, hey, he goes, uh, I know you're down to one car. We have a car for our company that we're retiring from the fleet, needs a little bit of work. We'll fix it up, but I was thinking we'd donate it to you uh, for the use of ministry. Would you want it? And I'm like, yes, I would. What is it? And he says, it's a white Altima. And I'm like, okay, cool. So literally, the day that I'm supposed to go pick up the vehicle, I'm, I leave my house. My wife and I, we have this whole day planned. We're going to go see friends up in the area where they live. And so we leave the house, and we're going to do that. And on the way, he calls me, and he says, hey, he goes, sorry, I'm not, I can't give you the Altima after all. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, my family is driving two hours. <laughs> so I, 
No big deal, right? You know? He said, because I feel like the Lord wants me to give you my, my Equus. And it was this really nice, it's kind of like a luxury model that Hyundai had. And I said, are you serious right now? And I loved, I loved that car. Like, it was a rad car. And I've driven in it many times with him. He goes, no, I just feel like the Lord's telling me to give it to you. And I'm just like, oh, man, thank you, Jesus. In the kingdom of God, when you're talking about Acts chapter 4, and they had everything in common, like, that's what it looks like. It literally looks like I have two, here's one. I have more than enough. Here, you can have this. You like that jacket? I got another one like it at home that's just as warm and not better. I'll give you that jacket. Like, I've seen the church function that way, and it is so, so stinking beautiful. Matthew 6.33 says this. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Now, again, money is a tool. It's not your source. God is your source. And if you ever get that confused, he will remind you in his gracious love very quickly that money is not your source. Money is not for me to enjoy. Money is a tool for me to steward. And, you know, um, people love the first part of that verse, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. They're like, yes, seek first. We sing songs about it. And then he goes on to say, and all the things will be added onto you. What are these things? The things or whatever you have need of. When you put your trust in the things, that's when it gets off. God does not want to bless you with something that's going to take his place as Lord in your life. And as Christians, you know, we're not, we're not chasing dollars. We're seeking after God, uh, after God. Finances, financial blessings, those are resources that are in proportion to our assignment from God. 2 Corinthians 9.8, 2 Corinthians 9.8 says this, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. You would have an abundance. And I wanted to just share a story from the congregation here. I want to ask uh, the fairs to go ahead and come up. I'm going to have Josh share a testimony of what God has done in their lives uh, some of you know a little bit of their story. We've been standing with them. We've been praying with them through some different things. But Josh, why don't you just kind of share a little bit of a background and a little bit of the story? Sure. Uh, good morning, everyone. Um, yeah, so, hi. Um, yeah, some of you guys know a little bit about my story. My wife, um, we had, we both been in the event wedding videography business or in that business uh, for a while. And then during covid we started our own company, selling things online, selling things on Amazon, and kind of felt like this is where we were called to go with our careers, and <clears throat> things were going really well for us starting in 2020 up until about May of this year, and kind of out of the blue, our account got got deactivated, and we weren't able to sell on Amazon anymore. So um, one thing that I was going to say at the beginning is that one of the things I live by is that... God's delays are not God's denials. And um, so things were going really well for us, like I said, and then it got shut down. And so we were sort of like, what do we do? We can't sell anymore. We have all this. They have, Amazon has all of our money. Um, and so we were really kind of lost in that situation. And so um, we were just kind of like thinking, okay, we need to still be faithful with our tithing. We still need to be faithful to the Lord. And... Um, one of the things, um, one thing that happened was Jeff and I, we, we actually prayed about it about a week and a half ago, just saying, you know, we pray that someone would just care, you know, care for us to help us get this account back because the whole process was 
kind of ridiculous. They don't really help you at Amazon if you if your account's not working. It's it's really difficult. So, um, yeah. So Jeff and I just prayed about it, and um, about 24 hours later, the account was reactivated, and we were able to get our account back, and we we're able to start selling again. And and not only that, but the reason that her account was deactivated was because mine had been deactivated three years ago, but we actually got both of the accounts back. And so now we're able to sell. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> um, yeah, so I know like just answered prayer is a big thing. Like I know there's probably people here who have unanswered, feels like it's unanswered prayer. Um, but you know, God's, like I said, God's delays are not God's denials. Like, just because it's not today, you know, God's rarely early, but never late. is <laughs> yeah, yeah. something I've also, like, through this whole situation, really been reminded of. Um, and he was faithful to us. He definitely pushed our faith at times. But, um, yeah, like, you know, there's been a lot of things in my life where I'm like, come on, God, will you answer this prayer? Will you send someone, like, send someone in my life, like my wife, or, you know, uh, this particular thing or that particular thing. And, you know, God has always been faithful. And sometimes he's faithful in ways you don't expect. Like maybe he's not going to give you what you want, but sometimes he is. And so like, don't feel frustrated if it's not, you're not getting that prayer answered today. Don't give up. You know, don't ever give up. If you really feel led to, to do something or something in your life to be healed, don't give up. Um, I think it's easy to give up sometimes if the the enemy wants us to give up. And with this, I just never, I was never going to give up. And if God was going to say, no, I don't want you to do this, he was going to show me no. But I I knew that God was going to, and we were at the end of like our line as far as like finances, like it was getting tough. Like I had a job and she had a job, but it was like, okay, like God, you've got to do something here. (laughs) And man, he did. And he did it at the exact right time. So. Thank you, brother. The night before, when Josh and I were praying, we actually went to pray for a, a certain guy that needed some breakthrough and healing in his life. And after, after Josh shared that, he called me and shared the testimony of what happened. And I was reminded of the scripture where Jesus is talking. He says, hey, make the kingdom of God your priority. Seek first the kingdom. All the things will be added unto you. When you take steps to really pursue the kingdom, You'll never lack for your needs being met. I'm just telling you, I've seen it so many times with people where if they've gotten off and they begin to develop their own kingdom, their business became, they, they weren't the owner of the business, their business was owning them. They get off and they lose that. But as soon as they course corrected, it's amazing how gracious God was. And I just shared with Josh, I was like, man, isn't it beautiful how you and I went out late on an evening when he left his wife and his baby. I left my family and we went and ministered to this guy. And then look how the Lord just blessed you and and just answered prayers. Seek first the kingdom of God. And you would have an abundance for every good work, you know, and, and it's going to look, finances, it's going to be different and it's going to be in proportion to your assignment. So, you know, there, there's, you know, the, the guy that's a farmer in Mexico that's helping out serving at an orphanage in Ensenada, his resources that God blesses him with is going to look differently than you stewarding resources to serve and see people in Orange County in one of the most affluent areas of the world come to know Christ. So one's not better than the other. They're just different. And uh, they, it's a different assignment with different needs and different budgets. 
God's provision is in proportion to the vision. And a lot of people, when they experience a lack, the immediate reaction is, I'm going to hold. And then they stop pursuing the vision that God had for them. And I'm speaking from personal experience. I've done that. I felt like the world was crashing around me. I'm getting my bearings straight. I, I, I'm not sure if I can mentally serve on Sunday at church anymore. I need to hold. I'm, I'm not sure if I can be a blessing or take part in offerings anymore or what. Like you just begin to kind of go into this self-protective mode, which is natural. But the ways of God is opposite to that. Those, those are the times you need to lean into community. Those are the times where you need to show up in church and not miss a night or show up to a prayer time. Those are times where you need to reach out to a brother or a sister and be like, hey, will you pray for me? Those are times you actually need to lean in community, not hold back. God gives us finances in proportion to our assignment. And I, I just want to encourage you. Some of you may, may be here today and you're living on the defense. Like you're constantly feeling like you're shielding this and hitting this down. And I just want to remind you as a child of God, we are on the offense. Like our team wins. Like our team has the ball. Our God is in control. Like you got to be reminded sometimes that we're on the offense. We're not playing defense here. Jesus said in Matthew 10, 8, he says to this, this is our assignment. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, now freely I want you to give. So this is our assignment. Be consumed with this assignment and you'll never have a lack of resources. Galatians 3.14 says this, In Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham has come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Jesus Christ died so that you and I could have the blessing of Abraham. Well, what was the blessing of Abraham that he's talking about there? It's a lot of things that we unpacked about a month ago, but I will share this. Part of the blessing of Abraham is actually finances in abundance, not for himself, but because he was blessed, he was a blessing to everybody around him, that you would be blessed to be a blessing. And I know people who are broke and they love money. And I know people who are rich and they love money. And so do you. It, 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 money in itself is not bad. It's the love of money. It says in 1 Timothy 6.10, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. So don't love money. Don't let it take hold of you. Ecclesiastes 5.10 says, whoever loves money never seems to have enough. You ever been around somebody like that? It's like no matter how much they have, they always have something to complain about. They never have enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. This is Solomon talking. I know people who haven't tithed because it's a love of money. It's not a lack of resources. It's a love of money. They just have chosen to spend that money instead of tithing. That's on them. The love of money will cause you to withhold the tithe when God's word clearly says to return the tithe. So am I going to honor God in his word or am I going to do what I'm going to do? Am I going to go to Target and get what I want to buy? Or am I going to honor God first? Am I going to, you know, go to Disneyland? Or if I'm going to take my family on a vacation, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I love all of that. There's nothing wrong with that. But we honor God first. I love this quote from Mike Rovner. He said this, Don't ever buy something that you wouldn't be willing to give away. If you do, you won't own it. It will own you. You know, loving God doesn't mean you have to live broke. Some people have a real challenge with that. They, they think like, well, loving God and serving God means I'm just going to be broke. I don't see anywhere in scripture where poverty was a blessing from the Lord. Look it up. Challenge me on it. I dare you. Go for it. Bring, bring your notes. 
It, you will not find it. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow to it. The blessing of the Lord looked like abundance, not for your own kingdom. That's where people miss it. It's not to just buy yourself another boat, okay? It's, that's not, it, it, it's so that you can be a blessing to the world around you. Um, think about this. If money is so bad for us, people go down that train, train of thought. If money is so bad for you, then why wouldn't Satan just bless you with a million dollars and let you backslide into hell? If money is so bad for you, why doesn't he just say, I'm going to give them all this money and then they're just going to backslide into hell? No, you know what happens? If you give that money to a Christian that actually lives according to the word of God, so many people would be blessed. God's blessing would flow through you, right? I had a situation where um, I, my, my, my dad, he, I always told him, he had this beautiful old F-150 pickup truck and he like never drove it. He's that guy, you know, and always did meticulous maintenance, whether it needed it or not, it got the maintenance. And I always told him, I said, dad, whenever you're ready to transfer that truck, like I would love that truck. Like I've always enjoyed it. And so anyways, last year he gave me that pickup truck and it blessed him to do so. Your heavenly father wants to do that for you. And if you're here today and you're like, you know what, I actually do need a truck or I do need a vehicle. If, you, if you're really here today and you're like, no, I actually, I'm really praying and believing. I, I wanna pray with you at the end of service, honestly. Like, I feel like I got an anointing for praying for people for vehicles. And also because I got five kids, I have an anointing for praying for people to be able to conceive and have babies. So if you're here today and you wanna get pregnant or, or you're praying for a vehicle, come see Pastor Jeff afterwards, all right? Here's a reminder, though. You don't get your self-worth from your net worth. You don't get your self-worth from your net worth. We get our self-worth from who our dad is. Know who your dad is. You get your worth from him. We don't chase blessings. We chase faithfulness. When you have kingdom vision, you experience supernatural provision. Think about this. If poverty were from God, then why did God bless Isaac in Genesis 26, 12, where he says that Isaac sowed in that land and he reaped in the same year a hundredfold and the Lord blessed him. The man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. If poverty is so spiritual, why does Jesus tell us to pray this way in Matthew 6, 10? He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I don't know what you know about heaven, but there's no lack in heaven. There's no poverty in heaven. There is abundance in heaven. There's no recessions. There's no pile of debt. The debt was paid. And you may be here and it's like, well, that sounds like a bless me club. Well, Jesus didn't die so that you'd have a curse me club, okay? He died to give you blessings. And we read in Galatians that he died and part of the death on the cross, what he did for you was that you would receive the blessing of Abraham. Psalm 67 verse one says this, may God be gracious to us. This is David's prayer. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. Now here's the purpose, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among the nations. So he's saying, God, put your hand of blessings upon me so strong that it would be such a sign that I would be able to go and see a blessing in the nations. You can't fill somebody else's cup if your pitcher is empty. If your pitcher is empty, you can't fill somebody else's cup. You'd love to help that person. You'd love to fill up their gas tank for that person. I remember buying groceries for a gal in front of us in line at the grocery store that I could tell, like, 
she was going through a challenging time and the card wasn't working, one of those scenarios. It was a blessing to me that I had enough of my account to be able to cover her groceries. Those are everyday little things that are just part of us living beyond ourselves. You can't go into all the world and disciples, disciple nations if you can't afford to go down to the grocery store. Just ask any missionary. Missionaries that are raising funds, isn't it a blessing to bless missionaries? I know we have your brother's a, a missionary. I know that our friends in Israel is a missionary. It is so fun to just send money and watch their needs be met. And it's like, thank you, Jesus. And we all know the story of a missionary. Somebody on the field is like, we didn't have any money. We didn't know how we were going to pay our bills. And then suddenly God showed up and blessed us. And the check came in the mail. It's awesome when you have more than enough. And you pray and ask the Holy Spirit, what do we do with this? And then he leads you and tells you where to go with that. And you get to be a conduit of God's provision in their life in that situation. It's the best. All right, so we're going to land the plane here. Next week... Um, we're going to share on how we partner with God in the natural to really experience the supernatural provision. And um, one of the big ideas that you see throughout the scripture is that no matter what was going on in the world, there was provision for the people of God. And God supplied for his people in supernatural ways, even when there was a time of war. And if you take a look at the children of Israel, there is a season where they were in Egypt, but they, they were called by God. And during that time when they were in Egypt, there was all these plagues that happened. And then the Lord led them out. Moses led them out. They crossed the sea and you know the story. One of the plagues that happened was the plague of darkness. And the plague of darkness, it was, it was black as night. Can't see the stars, no moon. Not like we have here where we have, um, what do they call it? Light pollution, right? Where you go outside at three in the morning and you're like, I don't even need a flashlight because it's so bright in Orange County, right? They didn't have any of that. It was just sheer total darkness. They could not see. And it was dark in Egypt. But the Israelites, they were living in an area, same, same region, but they were living in Goshen. And it said it was dark in Egypt, but it was light in Goshen. I'm praying that no matter what darkness that you face, no matter what challenges you may be going through, it may be dark out there, but it's gonna be light in here. It may be dark in that area of the world. It's gonna be light in your world. It doesn't mean everything's gonna be perfect. Jesus says you're gonna have troubles. He doesn't promise that you're never gonna have any situation that arises. It's gonna be too difficult for you, but he does promise there's no situation that's too difficult for him. And so my prayer is that as we go into this month of November, as we get ready for Thanksgiving and the pumpkin spice lattes and your candles and everything else, that you really pause and have a moment of thanksgiving and also generosity. Amen. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com.